Hi, this is Jeff Dixon, and I'm the pastor of Word of Life here in Miami, Oklahoma, and this is our podcast. I hope you enjoy as we begin our foundation series over the next couple of weeks, really looking at what do we believe, what do we do with it, and how can I serve in the body of Christ. Enjoy. Last week, we began a series called Foundations, talked about God, angels, and man, and what we're doing is just straight up basic beliefs. What does the Bible say about things? Uh, Just getting back to the basics, and so that's why we're calling it uh, WL Miami or Word of Life Miami Foundations. And today, my intention was to straight up talk about the Bible. And I'm not talking about just preach out of the Bible. I'm talking about the Bible. What is the Bible? Why is it the Bible? How is it made up? What are the books of the Bible? What do they signify? But is it okay for me to say I think God has a different idea? Have you noticed, especially on Wednesday nights lately, he's been calling audibles and we've been changing um, the direction and it's been really good. And uh, this morning, it kind of started last night, uh, I've, got, I've got this all written, but I believe that God wants me to talk about something else. And so I'm going to do that. Is that okay? Can I do that? And we'll come back to this, foundations, next week. And he wants me to talk about this. Go ahead, Abigail. See how, how quickly we can change the lights in the background together. Okay, so I'm going to talk about his presence. That seems pretty cool. That sounds pretty foundational, doesn't it? Talking about, the, I want to talk about the presence of God, and I want to talk about this one word today. How scary is this? How scary is this? You see what's not here? Okay, I fibbed just a little bit. I, I do have notes. I just have to find them. This one word today, and we're going to concentrate on this word, omnipresence. I think I told you that I wanted to spend a little bit more time on the omnipresence of God. Did I talk about that in like Wednesday night or something? Um, So I'm going to do that. Uh, This, what you're getting from me today is raw. What I mean by that is, I haven't had a chance to hash this out. I I don't want to say rehearse it, but you're getting getting it as as I'm, I'm looking at it. So we'll see how this goes, but I really feel strongly that God wants me to go over this and uh, spend a little bit of time on his presence. Why we worship, why we come into the place and we sing songs and everything, it's, it's honestly, it's not for us to feel good. However, I think, is it, is it safe to say that when we gather in here and, and we worship that we feel good? Is it, it, if we didn't feel good, it'd be hard to keep coming back. I get that. Um, but I want to talk about why we come together like we do, and and really why it's so cool that we get to encounter the presence of God. And I'm going to first address this word omnipresence. Um, We looked at it last week when we talked about the nature of God. We looked at it briefly, and we looked at this scripture, Jeremiah 23, verses, verses 23 and 24, and it says, I am a God who is near, declares the Lord, and not a God far off. Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? 
Sorry. I better turn this thing off. I get all of Vanessa's texts on her iPad. <laughs> so I, anyway, let me start over. So I do not, I'm going to read the scripture all over again. Am I a God who is near, declares the Lord, and not a God far off? Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? So am I not far off? Am I not near? Do I not fill the heavens? And do I not fill the earth? Now, when you look at this, you've got to realize he's not asking us a question that he doesn't know the answer to. And he's not asking us a question for us to look at this and be in doubt. And he's not asking us to um, put us in a position to be able to answer the question. This isn't a question that elicits a response. This is one of those questions that the answer is in the question. I think we've all done that with our kids, right? Who's in charge? The obvious answer, right, is, right? Am I not the daddy? Am I not the mommy? Who appointed you, boss? We know these phrases. We've all used them very often. And the answer is the question itself, itself, right? So when God is saying these comments, it's not like that um, sarcastic questions that we're asking, but it's really the answer is summed up in saying, I am what I'm asking you in these questions. And we've got in this this concept that there's no place where God does not exist. And even beyond that, there is no place where he exists less or more. Think about that in the grasp of how big God is, that he is not over at first assembly more than he is here, and he is not here more than he is in Bentonville at Word of Life over there. Now, we might experience, because of our willingness to be aware of him, more, but that doesn't mean he is more here or more there. We're just more aware of him. God does not have to be extraordinarily big in order to encompass the universe. Catch this out. God is not extraordinarily big to encompass the universe. Rather, the universe, with all of its vast dimensions, cannot outrun God. God is not in all of the universe. The universe is in God. That blows my mind. You know, I've talked about it that it's not that God is here and God is there and God is there and God is there and God is there. Everything is part of where he is. God's omnipresence is an essential characteristic of him deeply connecting with his whole being. We find this in Exodus. He says, I am. God calls himself Yahweh. That's the meaning, I am. Of course, this is not only to be understood in time, but also regional. This swipes up. We hear him called Emmanuel. When Jesus is prophesied, you shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We find this in Isaiah seven fourteen. God has a general desire to be close to human beings. This is why he created this us. This is our purpose, and this is why we were initially created in his image. 
John 17, 24 says, Father, I desire, that word desire is crucial here. I desire that they be with me where I am. Isn't it cool that I already had slides for all of this? This was pulled up from the past. That they be with me where I am. Acts 17, 27 says, And they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. Yet He is actually not far from each one of us. So in seeing how, how big the, the, the vastness, the, the, the incredibleness of God, how big He is in His omnipresence, the Bible also says that He holds the universe in the palm of His hand. The span of thumb to pinky, the universe's fit. Imagining how big he is. There's this other concept about his presence. It's this universal presence versus manifest presence. So I want to define these words, if I may. Universal says that there's no place where God does not exist and no place where he exists less or more. If you'll remember, I opened with that. For nothing can exist apart from him or outside of him. Psalm 139, 7-8 says, Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol or hell, behold, you are there. We cannot escape his presence. We cannot be outside of the scope of his presence. We cannot hide from his presence. His presence is found Everywhere. Still, there are times when we experience God's presence in a stronger way. I, can, I think we can all agree with that. There's times when we feel like we're more connected to His presence. We can say that God is with us. That's universal presence. But His presence is not always tangible. That's that manifest presence. However, this is not due to God's decreasing and increasing His presence. But fully, it depends on our perception of His presence. Manifest presence is nothing else but realized universal presence and is caused by us becoming aware of the fact that God is near. Catch that? So he's always there. Universal presence says he's always there, always ready, always waiting to be experienced. Manifest presence is when we step into the awareness of universal presence. You you following me? Our cry that God would come closer, would draw us near and increase His presence is totally a legitimate cry. This is a cry for God to make His presence manifest, to let us fully be aware of His nearness until we actually start to feel it. But it is a false and destructive assumption that God is close at times and sometimes He is not. I want to read that again. It is a false and destructive assumption that God is close at times and sometimes He is not. Sometimes He is close and sometimes He is not is a false assumption and it's destructive. We don't cry out to draw someone near who is already and always is. We see that in the concept again of the omnipresence of God. To ask Him to come near implies that He is smaller than what He is. He is, we, He doesn't come to us, we are already within what He is already encompassing. 
It's like standing in the middle of the ocean and asking to get wet. Or swimming, I guess. It's hard to stand in the middle of the ocean. Jesus is the only one that really did that, along with a brief stint with Peter. But it's like being in the middle of the ocean and asking to get wet. It doesn't work like that. You are already in the midst of the wetness. When we are in life, we are already in the midst of the presence of God. So really what we've got to do is instead of saying, Lord, come to me, we need to say, Lord, make me more aware. We're asking for growth in our awareness, for a more perfect consciousness of God's presence. Now there are seasons in which God intentionally withdraws His manifest presence. But they can never be characterized by Him being absent. We may not be aware of His manifest presence, but that does not mean He is absent. He is still with us, but it is harder for us to connect with His truth at the heart level and to really feel His closeness. So we need to move from universal presence to manifest presence, which means from unrecognized presence to never ceasing awareness that he is with us in an immediate and deeply personal way. You follow that? What I'm talking about today is connecting with the awareness of what God is doing in a room. Connecting with what God is doing in a room with our sensitivity for his nearness grows our experience of him. We get this truth it will totally revolutionary, revolutionize our lives and relationship with God. Many Christians believe that he is always there, but they live as if he wasn't, not having pondered the depths of this truth so that it would transform the way they live, pray, worship, and so on. We need revelation of his presence in our lives, not only in general, but in practical situations. It's one of the most powerful truths of the human heart. Many problems and struggles will be settled as we connect with this truth deeply. So really in understanding his presence in his life, it comes with understanding his gaze, his look upon us. His look upon us. So the, before I look at this, this is I, I just had this idea pop in my, my mind of, of recognizing the presence of God. This is the awareness of God. So um, let me, uh, Claire, come here. I want to, can you come here with me for just a second? Come here, I'm going to grab this chair. I want you, so everybody can see how beautiful you are, come here and stand, stand on this chair. Stand really tall and beautiful. Show everybody your beautiful smile. I have a question for you, Claire. Now I want you to talk really loud so that everybody can hear on the camera. So, are you a, do you know that I'm standing next to you and hugging you? Yeah. yeah? Are you very aware of it? Yes, you are. Did you know that I came into your room last night and I kissed you? But I did. Did you catch that? So she's very aware of my presence right now, right? But she had no clue that I'd stepped into her room last night and stared at her, and kissed her on her cheek, paid attention to her for a little bit, but I was there, and I was in her presence, and she was in mine. 
You see, that sometimes happens to us. Are we spiritually awake and aware of what God is moving, or are we asleep to what he is doing in our lives? That's really what I'm talking about. We've got to be in a position where we're awake and fully aware of what he's doing and not asleep. Now, sometimes, sometimes he does things like, I just spit all around her, but not hopefully on her. Sometimes he does things like awake, fully aware, right? But he just kind of, no, you don't know I'm here right now, okay? He's there, right? But the only reason she knows I'm aware is because she knows I'm right here. But think, think if I just snuck up on her and was just like, but I'm here, right? You see in the real practical application of the presence of God right now? Thank you, baby. You can go sit down or go back to the back of the room. Okay, so one of the things, though, is we've got to understand the gaze of God, his gaze. Understanding his presence in our lives. In order to live in constant awareness of God's presence, it's not enough to know that he is with us, but also how he is with us. So not only that he is with us, but how he is with us and what he's doing. So I'm going to look at three principles of the gaze of God. Three principles of the gaze of God. Number one, he is always right next to me. He is always right next to me. The scripture teaches that God is not only present everywhere in the universe, but that but they put as an emphasis on the truth. The scripture puts as an emphasis on the truth that he is always right next to us, at our side, unbelievably close to our heart, and in fact, closer than we are to ourselves. Psalm 16, 8 through 11. Do I have this up there, Abigail? I don't, it's been so long. Yes. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to show that's hell or let my holy or let your holy one see corruption. You make known to me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy at your right hand, our pleasures forever. Psalm 73, 23 says, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You've taken hold of my right hand. You know, we should stop thinking of God as being somewhere up in the heavens, uh, somehow hearing his voice. There's that, that song, God is watching us, God is watching us, God is watching us from a distance. That is a bullcrap song. Sorry, I said that like that, didn't I? Forgive me. That is, that is bunk. God is not watching us from a distance. God is practically smothering me with his presence. So we should stop thinking of, of God as being somewhere up in the heavens, somehow hearing our voice. He is literally by our side always, accepting that God is actually in the same room right now, not just somewhere up there radically changes the way you pray. Our voice is heard while he is sitting there longing to hear what we have to say. Our words do not fade silent on their far journey to heaven, but they reach him right away. The same time you say and how you say it will change because you are no longer talking towards the ceiling. This makes me think of two things. Um, For those of us that have grown up, been around the church, been in in relationship with God for a long time. Have you ever been in a time of prayer where it just felt like your words were coming out and going right down in front of you, hitting the ground and going nowhere? 
I think I, okay, I'll be the one that says yes. Now, in all reality, if our words go, jump down and feel like they're not even getting to heaven, going nowhere, not even reaching God, we've got to realize if he's smothering us, he's getting that, right? He's getting the words. God's hearing our prayers no matter what. Now, <clears throat> so that, that addresses that with God's presence and his gaze, right? But I want to tell a story. It's been several years now. Um, Vanessa and I had taken a bunch of youth to Atlanta, Georgia. This is the coolest thing. And what we had done is we'd gone there on a mission trip. And we were in the heart of Atlanta. This is an intense place. Homeless, prostitution. We actually had gone out and done, done some princess ministry where we'd take roses to prostitutes on the street corner, literally. And with it, with a little card of where to go and how to get out of this lifestyle. They've rescued hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of women from sex trafficking. What a beautiful thing. We would uh, take and pack sandwiches and things and go to areas uh, known for congestion of homeless people and just go up and hand them food and begin to pray for them and watch God heal them and restore them. Incredible times. But one of the things that we learned are what we call uh, words of life. Words of life, a really cool thing. We'd sit around and we'd begin to just go around the room and begin to talk to people about, just tell them positive, encouraging things. Good vibes. No, I hate that. I hate positive vibes. I hate that phrase. But we would begin to seek God and, and ask him to share with us. We wouldn't even realize, we'd begin to prophesy over each other, begin to tell each other things that God had to say about them. Maybe not like, fortune. it wasn't fortune telling, it was just, what does God see in you? And it was a really powerful thing as we would sit down and begin to do this thing, these things. Well, there was one day, I believe it was like Saturday morning. It doesn't matter if it was Tuesday morning, but it was, it was before lunch. And we'd all been in the, the large room, and we were breaking out into smaller groups. It was our group. And we were going to go in. They were going to bring a homeless person in off of the streets, someone we didn't know. And we were going to share words of life over that person. How freaky is this? All of a sudden, it's easy. You know, if I were to take the few of us that are in this room today and sit us in a circle around and begin to share positive words or whatever, words of life, we have a confidence in each other. We know each other. I could probably, every one of us could come up with something nice to say about each other, right? I could come up with something really nice to say about almost every, okay, every one of you in the room. And you all could probably return the favor and say, oh, God was really good, right? We could make something up if we didn't feel very spiritual today. Um, but this was a homeless person we'd never met. His name was Emmanuel. We already knew who, who he was by name going to come in. So we went to a small office. We sat around. There was an orange chair in the middle of the room. And, and I remember Vanessa was sitting here. I think Andrew was sitting over there. Molly was right there. And, and, and there were a few other people in the room with us. And what seemed probably like 45 minutes was probably only like 15 or 20. But we sat in the room and we were waiting and waiting and waiting for Emmanuel to be brought into the room. And Pastor Paul, uh, one of the dearest, sweetest men I know to this day, uh, Pastor Dan's dad, for those of you who know who Pastor Dan is, uh, Pastor Paul um, finally came in and he says, Let me, I, I just want to tell you a little bit, bit about Emmanuel that's getting ready to come in. He's, first off, I want you to relax a little bit. He has been, he's one of our regulars that comes in when we have these groups through. So if you mess up, don't worry about it. He, we bring him in regularly. He's been homeless for years. We minister to him often. Um, but just so you know, just do your best. But don't stress out. He said, but when, when he was uh, several years ago, he uh, on, on the streets um, was, was acu falsely accused of, of a, a crime. He was, somebody accused him of raping a young woman. 
and uh, it was it was a false accusation. But the gangs here, you, know, you realize that they they police their own, and they 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 took care of the matter. And they, even though he was falsely accused, they beat him and literally beat him to death um, on the street corner. And and fortunately, the the medics paramedics were able to come and and bring him back to life. And he went through rehab and and spent a lot of time. Uh, recovering from that, um, but to this day, he still does not, isn't treated well on the streets. He's ridiculed, he's yelled at, but he, he's made his life right. He's got right with God, um, and he, he is actually at times back on the streets ministering to the very people that took his life from him on the street corners, and uh, he's, he's been through it, uh, but anyway, but he's part of our ministry, so when he comes in, just know he's got a little bit of a past. But he loves Jesus, and he he'd be really good. So we sit there for a little bit later, and Pastor Paul comes to the comes to the door, and he, he has a little conversation with with Emmanuel in the in the hallway, real just beaming, really excited, and he he looks to us in the room and he says, "Oh, by the way, some may call him Emmanuel, but I call him Jesus." And he opened the door. And it was like Jesus walked into the room and sat down in the chair in front of us. And there we were, sitting with a chair. It was empty. But for the next half hour, we talked to Jesus sitting in that chair right in front of us. And it was the most real prayer encounter I've ever had in my life. Because no longer was I coming to a man that I believed in, had sang songs to, had prayed to, had asked for healing, make relationships right, give me a car. I've, I've, been, I've said that prayer. Um, put money in my bank account. But now I was now telling him who he was. I was sharing words of life to the one who gives life. The one who gave me life. The one who made it possible for me to now be in the very presence of God. Who, When God now looks at me, he doesn't see my filth. He sees this man that's now sitting in an orange chair. Maybe not like you all are sitting. I, you know, I can see you all. I can smell you all. You're wonderful fragrances, but there he was. You may call him Emmanuel, but I call him Jesus. And my prayer life forever changed, and the manifest presence of God became very real in that room, just like he is in this room today. And the reality is, Jesus right next to me and when I go to him in prayer it's just like talking to him you might how do I how do I pray imagine him sitting in a chair right in front of you just talk to him tell him who he is to you practically when you pray or worship or minister just through the day picture Jesus right next to you when you walk meditate on the fact that he's walking right by your side when you're in your room imagine that he's sitting on your chair in the movie theater, he's having the seat right next to you. 
He's doing life with you. He's having dinner with you. He's being part of, he wants to be part of your life. There are unlimited applications to this truth in our specific everyday life situations, realizing that Jesus is literally at our side throughout our day with dramatically increasing our awareness of his presence. So principle number one, he's always right next to me. I love this. Imagine as Jesus walks into that room of us and he sits in that chair. Principle number two, he is gazing at me with pleasure. He's gazing at me with pleasure. Living in God's presence is linked with living before his eyes, living in the audience of one. He is not only right next to us, somehow distracted, being busy with other stuff, but he is, his eyes are fixed on us. We have his full attention. He's not distracted. He's not um, dealing with that war and dealing with that uh, famine and dealing. Yes, he's got all of that stuff, but he's capable of being fully focused on us. We've all heard that prayer. God, I know you've got a lot going on, but if you could find time to just focus on me for a moment and help me in this situation. It doesn't have to be like that because he's capable of being fully focused on me in this moment because he... He gazes at me with pleasure. God actually enjoys watching those who love him and delights in them. It's crucial to realize that his main interest is looking at us. And looking, his main interest in looking at us is not to be able to see every mistake we make, but to take pleasure in creation that moves him. Psalm 45.11 says, Behold the eyes of the Lord. Behold the eyes of the Lord on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness. Psalm 49.4 says, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. 45.11 in Psalm says, The king will desire your beauty because he is the Lord. Bow down to him. And then the last principle I'm going to share. He is wooing or gaining my love with me jealously. The Bible says he's a jealous God. You find that in Deuteronomy 4.24. It says, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Zechariah 8.2 says, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I am very jealous. I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. This isn't like that jealous boyfriend or girlfriend, right? He really is doing everything he can to draw us into his presence. God is not passive. Often, we don't have any problems with realizing God's presence and activity in our past and with expecting it for the future. However, in the current situation, we often don't really know what he's doing, where he is or whether he is involved in our lives at all. We need to realize that God is the God who is involved in our lives right now in various ways and that it, it's really on his heart to do so. Becoming aware of this fact will open our eyes to notice it. And Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Living in constant awareness of God's immediate presence means living in the audience of one, which includes understanding these things. That he is right at my side and is always close to me at a personal and intimate level. That he is watching me all times and really delights in me as he gazes upon me. 
and that he is actively and deeply involved in my life, orchestrating things and situations even right now in order to draw my heart closer to his. So if he has a gaze upon me, the last thing I want to quickly get through, or I don't just get through it, but the last thing I want to address is our gaze. Increasing God's manifest presence in our lives is found in our look upon him. The level of awareness of God's presence in our lives will greatly impact the way we live, pray, worship, teach others, people, and deal with problems. It seems to be just a small piece of truth, yet it will revolutionize our spiritual journey journey to a degree that only a few others will. That's why it is so important to get this right and live in deep revelation about this fact. In order to experience greater measures of his presence, we need to return his gaze. Think about this. He's looking at me. I need to return it back to actively living before his gaze, to set the Lord continually before us. It's not enough that he is present, but in order for it to become manifest presence, we need to become and continually stay aware of it. It's this return. Remember last week when I talked about Lucifer, that his body was adorned with all of the precious jewels? And his job was to return the glory of God back to him? That he was only beautiful because of the glory of God, which reflected off of him? Part of our job is to reflect back what he is shining upon us. Psalm 16, 8 through 9 says, I have set the Lord continually before me. We read this earlier because he is my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. The level we live and experience God's presence throughout our everyday life is therefore defined by the level in which we actively gaze back at him and remind our heart of the fact that his presence and his gaze of, uh, uh, sorry, and remind our heart of the fact of his gaze presence, sorry, of the fact of his presence, his gaze, and involvement. So quickly, can you bear with me just a couple more minutes? I know we're just kind of, how to practically connect with the truth of God's immediate presence in our lives. How do we practically connect with God? One, through thankfulness. We increase awareness of his presence Doubts will vanish and we proclaim and thank him for the truth of his presence, gaze, and involvement. Meditation. Now this isn't the home kind of meditation. This is just increased understanding of his presence. Here I just introduced basic facts about his presence. There is so much more to it. Mining the depths of his truth will sharpen our understanding and give us divine revelation that will further transform our lives. Meditation is just basically stopping and becoming focused on knowing that he is here. Reminding ourselves, this is increasing or increasing the time consciously spent in his presence. This is the most important aspect when desiring to constantly live in God's presence. It's important to remind ourselves of his presence over and over and over and over and over and over and over again to the day in order for it to become manifest presence. Excuse me. It means constantly aligning ourselves in our everyday life and all its tasks, situations, troubles that he is with us. In order to live in his presence, we need to learn to pause in those moments when there is nothing to do. And even while we are busy with other things, this is the hardest but most foundational practice we need to do. Uh, When Tim, Pastor Tim, who was the youth pastor, or is the youth pastor, he's more than that at Word of Life in Bentonville. He's the guy that replaced me when I came here. He came from an atmosphere of a, of a, 
a uh, school of ministry where they literally spent six to eight, quite possibly more hours a day in a prayer room environment. So they'd go to school and they'd spend time in a room where they prayed. There'd be worship, there'd be times on their faces, and just in a prayer environment. I told him, when you come here, you won't have that. You're going to have to really concentrate. How do I find time with God? How do you stay at this level of pursuit of God when all of a sudden you're not in an environment where you get that? And I told him, your prayer room is in the bathroom when you're cleaning toilets. Your prayer room is when you're vacuuming floors. Your prayer room is when you're driving the vans. Your prayer room is in when you're studying. Your prayer room is while you're uh, out spraying weeds in the parking lot. Do you realize the youth pastor did a lot of maintenance and things around the church, right? Your prayer room is, is no longer sitting in a room with music blaring and your Bible reading time. Your prayer room is in your everyday life. This is what I'm talking about. We're, we're doing our prayer room when we're cutting granite or when we're... Uh, doing maintenance in, in the casinos. I think that's what exactly, yeah, whatever you do, you know, forgive me for not knowing what you do. Your prayer room is when you're taking back cars from people. Your prayer room is, is when you're feeding babies and screaming and spanking butts and whatever it is. Your prayer room is when you're studying and practicing the flute or playing the guitar or whatever. You find that your prayer room is in your everyday life. Your prayer room is also when you seclude yourself into a prayer room and meditate and seek God outside of that. We've got to realize that reminding ourselves throughout the day, through our regular involvement of life, that is our prayer room. Connecting with God isn't just in the solitude of a singular room, me and him, but it is in life that I continually connect with God. Obedience is the next thing. Increasing confidence in his presence. Our expectation of his presence will radically grow as we walk in the things he tells us to obey to do. When we say yes to him, he's able to pour more out, make us more aware. In our obedience, our awareness of him increases. Now I could talk quickly, I'll just hit these highlights. The effects of living in his gaze, before his gaze. God is literally by my side. In prayer, A.W. Tozer says the point of, in, in his book, Pursuit of Man, Prayer loses its unmeaning quality and becomes a sweet conservation or conversation. While you move the S and the V and it becomes a different word. Becomes a sweet conversation with someone actually there concerning my actions. There are revelant, they are a revelant and matter right away, not even for eternity. If he is watching, then it is in my hand to move him right now. I have the ability to touch God's heart right now, and it's possible for me to receive immediate feedback of what he feels. Whatever I do has immediate effect on his heart and emotions. Concerning sin, I'm not alone. Sin loses its attraction when I notice that someone is watching. You can find a, a connection to that in the book of Job 34, first, or chapter 34. The more we live in awareness that God's eyes are on me, the less we'll be tempted to sin. You can read Ezekiel 8, 12 and Psalm 10, 11. Concerning fear, we sing a song about that, right? Fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in his love. I think that's, is that how the words go? I, I, thank you. Thanks, Kayla. Um, Psalm 16, 8 and 9 and Isaiah 43, 5. Concerning the fear of man, fear of man is being aware that people are watching which makes you want to please them. On the other side, the fear of God is being aware that he is watching that makes you want to please him. Becoming aware that he is much easier to please 
and that he is even a delight in you, in your immaturity and imperfections will cause you to stop searching for the approval of human beings. So bottom line, all this to say, God's presence is here, whether we're aware of it or not, and it's not his fault if we don't notice it. It's on us. But the biggest prayer that I could ever ask is, God, make me aware. And I've talked a lot lately on how to pray. And ultimately, I think the biggest, the biggest teaching, the most impactful teaching on how to pray I could ever give you is the orange chair. Amen. <laughs> well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. If it has blessed you, please click the subscribe, leave some feedback. Uh, Should you want to contribute towards this ministry and all that we're doing in northeastern Oklahoma, feel free to go to our website, WLMiama.com. That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I.com. Click on the Give tab, and it'll walk you through some steps right there. God bless you, and until next time.